0: Welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate today. This is the weekend edition. We have a very special guest for you today. Our weekly editions are short form podcast, under five minutes with what's new in real estate. And on the weekends, we interview people who are real estate developers, real estate investors, folks who have a very interesting story to tell. And today is no exception. We have none other. Then Monique Hom, she is the host of the Real Estate Investor Goddesses podcast, direct from Los Angeles, California. Welcome, Monique. Thank you, Victor. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So, Monique, you did not start out as a real estate investor. You started out going to law school. Tell us a little bit of your journey, some of the backstory, and what were some of the inflection points that took you from that world to where you are today?
1: Yeah, sure. So I grew up with a, in a, as a first-generation American in an immigrant family, and I had great parents who told me I could be anything I wanted to be when I grew up, as long as that was a, being a doctor, lawyer, professor, engineer. So uh, being the good student that I was, I am liking English and the humanities more. I went to law school. I had no... Um, no thought ever of being a real estate investor was I just was always taught you go to the best school you can you get the best job you can you save you work 30 40 years you save your money you buy a house and then you retire uh so I was on that path don't don't forget
0: the gold watch
1: oh yeah, at some point you, you get a gold watch if you're, if you're lucky. And uh, so, yeah, so that was, that was the story that I was told and I, I totally bought it. And so I, I was on that path. I was, um I went to a great law school. I was working at a big law firm in downtown LA, making a six figure income. Uh, but I was absolutely miserable. I, I think, um, uh, to give you an example, at one point, my appendix ruptured and I ended up in the hospital. I remember it was a Tuesday morning and I was in the ER and the doctor told me that with this ruptured appendix, I'd have to be admitted to the hospital immediately, stay several days. I ended up being there nine days and then I'd have at least 30 days at home to, for recovery. And I remember my th- my first thought being, oh, thank God I don't have to go to work. <laughs> uh, and... Then my second thought being, oh God, this is not good. <laughs> if uh, if being in the hospital with this excruciating, life threatening illness is better than being in the office, I, ne- I need I needed to do something about being in the office. I need to do something about this. That
0: was but a I clin- don't,
1: yeah. It was a it was a, a little, aha. <laughs> I knew that I was miserable. I knew I was unhappy. I didn't realize how miserable I was until that moment. And but I was doing what I. You know what everyone told me I should be doing, right? and so, and I had law school loans and a lifestyle that I'd become accustomed to and i I knew I had to figure out another path I needed I needed to figure out another way where I could um, be happy and still pay for my lifestyle and um, and and not you know, and didn't just you know, have, have the life that I, I, I feel like I was meant to live, but, um, you know, and it, you know, financially with, with financial wherewithal. So it was not a straight line, but eventually I, I ended up finding real estate. I got my first property by accident almost because I, I wanted to buy a house for myself and this was Los Angeles towards the top of the, the last bubble. And I couldn't afford a house, even though I I had a good six figure salary, I couldn't afford a house in a, in a decent neighborhood. And a friend of mine said, well, why don't we, he was also in the same position. He was a consultant and uh, said, well, why don't we buy a duplex together? You live in one side, I'll live in the other side. And I thought, well, I can probably afford half a house. So yeah, let's do that. Uh, And we ended up finding a property that we both fell in love with ended up having three units, but one was much bigger and nicer than the other two. And we decided that we would share that one. Uh, we'd been, we'd been roommates before in, in New York. He was actually my, my law school, my law school housemate. And um, we, we rented out the other two. And I went, wait a minute, these people are paying my mortgage. This is really crazy. Um, th- this is a nice, this is a nice thing. And when I met my husband, he had a couple of, uh, he had some rental properties and, and we, we started off in that way. I still wasn't thinking about it as a full time gig, but um, it, it just, it, Developed into into something. I got we fell in love, or I fell in love with those HGTV shows, and it looked really fun to flip. And at one point, we sold a uh, one of the duplexes, and we ended up flipping for a few years. And we started right after the the market crashed when the houses were on sale, so we we got in at the right time. I think we started in 2010, and and did that for a few years, but it started getting More and the prices were going higher and higher. The margins were getting slimmer and slimmer. And even though it was really lots of fun to do a flip, after every one, we had to start all over again in order to to make and to make money. And I thought I'd I'd rather buy and hold. Um, So we started looking for uh, what. What I could conceive of at that time is the the next best thing, which was a fourplex in L.A. And we couldn't find anything that cash flowed and that made any financial sense. And at that point, I I had the pleasure of meeting Robert Helms, uh, the real estate guy's radio. And with one 10-minute conversation, he just changed everything for me. He so he he was asking about my path, and I was telling him about the flipping and how we were looking for the fourplex and we're having we're having troubles. And he said two things that were huge paradigm shifts for me. One thing he said was, "Yeah, you can look in L.A., but L.A. is a challenging market." I say, "Live where you want to live, invest where the numbers make sense," and that's a pretty obvious. Thing in hindsight, but I'd never thought of it. I always thought you had to invest where you could drive to the property, touch the property. Uh, I was thought about self-managing. I just it it never crossed my mind that that was a possibility. So when he said that to me, it literally opened up the world. The next thing he said was, "Yeah, and you can get a fourplex by yourself, but you're limited to your own capital and credit." He said or an alternative so you can bring a group of investors together and you could get a 100 or 200-unit apartment building. And that blew my mind because I never I never thought that was at all a possibility for me. I thought you needed Donald Trump's bank account to do anything like that. I had no idea that that was a thing, that that was a possibility. And I decided right then and there I wanted to learn how to do that. And, and I decided that I wanted to be around people who thought that was normal because up until then everyone around me thought getting a fourplex was a big deal. Nobody I knew could have conceived of getting a 200 unit apartment building. And so I, I went and decided I was going to learn from him and I went to the, to his syndication seminar. And I think this was, I met him in October of 2015. I went to my first uh, syndication seminar in January of 2016. Got really excited and just got into action, and really within one year, by partnering with other people and bringing groups of investors together, instead of that fourplex and for about the same amount of money, we were able to get ownership in over a thousand units um, it, throughout throughout the country. So it was it was pretty amazing how um, shifting my my mindset and busting some paradigms really really uh, changed the game for me.
0: Well, that's, that's awesome. And you know, we've known each other for a, a little while now. And just watching you take that journey has been a lot of fun for me to watch. And I know you've definitely earned both the respect, the admiration and the trust of everyone who I know that's met you. So, congratulations on that. That's been a tremendous, tremendous journey. What have been some of the difficult steps along the way? Because, you know, it's easy in a few minutes like this for the listeners to come away thinking, wow, that's all you need to do is shift your mindset and boom, you've got a thousand units. And <laughs> clearly that's not the case. So what were some of the big learnings that uh, and the big bumps in the road that you hit along the way?
1: So the first thing that I, I had we had to be able to do was Partner with other people. You know, there are basically four resources you need in in real estate, in my opinion. If you need money, you need time, you need experience, you need relationships, and we, we had various uh, varying levels of all of those. But we needed, we definitely needed more to get to the level that we did, and we were able to partner with other people that had what we were missing. So, for example, our by my our next door neighbor we had the the pleasure we have the pleasure of having a next door neighbor that was um a uh, senior Vp in a real estate investment trust she'd done almost a billion dollars at that point worth of real estate investing transactions syndications in you know under the the reITs account but hadn't done much in her own, her own account and she was wanting to do that she was working like a crazy person and didn't have the time to find um, to find these opportunities we had the time and the and the motivation And uh, so we we decided to partner. So she was looking over our shoulders in terms of the the underwriting and and DD, but we were finding, we found properties and we're getting into relationships with others. And a lot of people probably would not have taken us seriously and given us the time of day if it was just us as flippers looking at apartment buildings. But our team, I'm putting that in quotes, had, um, you know, had done almost a billion of, you know, at that point, $900 million worth of real estate investment <laughs> transactions. So as a team, we looked really great, even though most of that, all that experience came from her. So we were able to partner and leverage her experience to get taken seriously and um, get our foot in the door. And we partnered with others to, uh, to find, to to pay for the investments and so it was really through partnerships that we were able to do that Um, and then in terms of bumps in the road I mean the the bumps had have really come from be having the wrong partnerships right we at one point we had a great property management company on paper for one (laughs) for some of our projects and they were not they were not working out and they were sinking our investment it was a lot of trial and error and a tough breakup, but we had to do that to find the right, the right fit. And another project, you know, we ended up investing with, um, with somebody that my intuition was telling me was probably not, it was not the right deal, but I just, I discarded my intuition and went ahead and, and that was a, that was an investment that didn't end up making any money. So the, the, you know, the bumps have come from usually when i've disregarded my intuitive guidance and and gone ahead with somebody that looks great on paper but wasn't wasn't the right fit but being able to get into partnership with with people with the the right people has made all of the the difference in where we've been able to to go and how we've been able to make such leaps so quickly
0: well and that's awesome and i you know i love the fact that you've um, probably without even knowing it hit on some of the main things that you know I wrote about in my book Magnetic Capital. You know we talk about the five principles of raising money relationship, trust, results, you know you didn't have the track record so you partnered with someone who did and borrowed some of that credibility. Um and by having them on your team you legitimately had that credibility. You weren't just making it up. You found compelling opportunities and you focused on getting the alignment that was needed to raise the money, so you know that's that's awesome, and the other shift that you made, of course, you know, money comes in three different ways. It comes through an earned income approach, which is what you started with when you were flipping houses. Comes as residual income, what some people call passive income. I don't like that term because there's very little mailbox money in the world. Uh, residual income. These real estate projects, these are businesses. I don't care what anybody says, they're businesses, and they do throw yeah. off residual cash, but you've got to still manage them as a business. Um, and And then, of course, capital gains. And most of the wealth in the world has been created through some combination of residual income and capital gains. And by shifting your focus away from the earned income to residual income and capital gains, you've set yourself up for you know your lifestyle, for your family, for next generation, and so on. So that's that's awesome. That's awesome. I hope the listeners are inspired by this. It's possible. This is not you know, some rock star, doing the unnatural, it's simply a matter of getting around the right people. And, um, and of course, you've continued to invest in developing new relationships. Uh, Certainly being in Los Angeles helps because there's lots of great people in the LA market. But you're not, of course, investing in LA, you're investing nationwide. How have you developed relationships to help you outside the LA market?
1: So I Travel outside. I go to different conferences. Um, you know, I'm, I invest a lot in education and I invest a lot in networking. So I I go out, and that's helped. That's helped me create the relationships. I also created a community for women real estate investors called Real Estate Investor Goddesses, and now we have women. Uh, I think we're I think we're in about. We have women in about. 38 states and four countries, and um, and so that that also has been a great network, having you know all these women from all over the the country and different parts of the world that can that we can rely on one another and um, you know use our, the shared in, cap you know intellectual capital that's in the group to um, to to take us you know take everybody higher together.
0: Well, that's awesome, and you've got a podcast as well.
1: I do. So it's the Real Estate Investor Gosses podcast, and in the podcast, I interview successful women real estate investors because I, I think it's it's helpful when people hear stories like like this of others that have that have done it, and you know what are their how did they how did they do it? What were the big mistakes? What were their um, you know the main What are they most proud of? What's their best advice? What would they, what do they wish they'd known when they first started that they now know? So we, we go through that and these really generous uh, women who are real estate rock stars share their, share their stories on the
0: podcast. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, Monique, it's uh, great talking with you. Um, If the listeners want to get in touch with you, how can they do that?
1: The best way is to go to my website, which is realestateinvestorgoddesses.com. That's all one word. Or you can find me on Facebook at Real Estate Investor Goddesses. And you can find the podcast on iTunes.
0: Well, Monique, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. It's an awesome story. Thank you, Victor. To all our listeners, have a spectacular weekend. Go make some great things happen. And we'll talk to you tomorrow.